Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Allison Colley. Hello and welcome to this episode 172 of the Employment Law and HR Podcast. I'm your host, Alison Colley. I'm a solicitor and HR specialist, and I run the firm Real Employment Law Advice, where we provide advice and assistance to both employers and employees on all aspects of employment law. I've been producing this podcast since August 2014, so it's been going for quite some time now. And the idea behind it is to provide you with an easy to understand update on employment law and HR matters. And I know that a lot of you are regular listeners, so thank you very much. And thank you to all of you who get in touch and contact me with questions or just feedback on the podcast. I do really appreciate it. And of course, if you are enjoying the podcast and the content, then I'd be grateful if you could leave me a review on iTunes or Google Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this podcast. It's a great way for other people to find the podcast and also it does help me when I'm recording these in the evenings or at weekends to know that people are getting value from them as well. So this is part three of a mini series on capability and performance management issues and so without further ado I'm going to get into this week's featured content. So this episode is episode three of a mini series on capability and performance issues, as I said. And in the previous episodes, I've talked about how you plan and prepare for a performance management process and then how you go through that process with individuals if you have to go through the formal process and all the stages of that. So if you haven't listened to those and you're interested in learning more about how to go through the capability or performance management process, then do go back and listen to episodes 170 and 171. But in this episode of the podcast, I'm going to be covering off some of the issues that can arise and give you a better understanding about how to avoid a potential unfair dismissal case if you do end up dismissing someone for performance reasons. And then what I thought I'm going to do actually is do a final fourth episode on this in the series and just give you some case examples. So I'll find some real life case examples of performance issues. So the first thing to note in relation to a potential issues that can arise is in respect of unfair dismissal. Now, a dismissal is potentially fair if it relates to the capability or qualifications of the employee in relation to performing work of the kind for which they're employed to do. So you can, as I said in the previous episode, follow a fair process and potentially fairly dismiss someone for performance issues. If, however, an employee is aggrieved by your decision to dismiss them and they decide to bring an unfair dismissal claim against you, the Employment Tribunal will look at the reason for the decision to dismiss them. And for the purposes of an unfair dismissal, capability is assessed by reference to the employee's skill, aptitude, health or any other physical or mental quality. Their capability must relate to the work that they are doing or they were employed to do. So it's important that you have done all the groundwork we talked about last week in establishing what it is that they are not doing correctly and what parts of their role they're not fulfilling and the reasons why you've decided to dismiss them. 
And you must honestly believe that the employee is incompetent or not up to the job or have reasonable grounds for that belief. So again, the best way of avoiding an unfair dismissal claim or a successful unfair dismissal claim against you is to ensure that you have undertaken all that groundwork. So you've got the evidence behind you. You've done everything you can to genuinely seek to try to resolve the issue with the employee and that you've gone through that whole process and despite all of that you have not seen an improvement and therefore you have no choice but to dismiss them. So in essence what will happen if an employee brings a claim for unfair dismissal is that your defence will be the dismissal was fair because of capability reasons and then These are the reasons why they weren't performing up to the job role that they were employed to do. These are the steps we took to try to help them improve. We looked at alternatives for them and we we basically followed the process to the end and they still weren't up to their job and these are the reasons why. And if you've got all of that in place, then you'll be able to easily defend a claim. Now, you can never stop somebody from pursuing an unfair dismissal claim, whether they have good grounds to do so or not. As you probably know at the moment it's still free for an employee to make a claim in the employment tribunal and there is no assessment undertaken of the quality of that claim until it gets to the final hearing. So I know it's frustrating for many employers to hear this but sometimes you might find yourself with a claim regardless of what you do but if you put yourself in the best position in terms of evidence and process, then you'll be able to defend that. But in my view, as I talked about in the last two episodes, if you've undertaken all of the groundwork and you've done the communication and you've behaved reasonably in the outset, it's very unlikely that you'll find yourself in a position where you end up dismissing someone anyway. And if you do, hopefully in that case, most reasonable people will see that you have done everything that you possibly can to help them and they will move on accordingly. So in relation to unfair dismissal, just to labour the point again, I can't stress to you enough the importance of doing the groundwork at the beginning, having your evidence and going through a fair process. There have been countless times when I've been in the employment tribunal with both employers and employees and you just see where the employment tribunal start to unpick everything because those things weren't done at the early stage and you can never go back and rectify that once you've got to that point. So there are some other common issues and things that can go wrong in the capability process that I wanted to cover off with you and things that I think it's important to consider and be prepared for. Now the first thing that can happen in the course of a capability process is that an employee discloses to you a disability or some other medical issue that is causing them to be performing or underperforming to the standards that you require. Now, in the pre-work that you would have done with that employee, sometimes, no matter how much you deal with it informally or how much you probe or discuss or get to know someone, they can hide things away. So it can happen and often does, particularly where there isn't a very good relationship between employer and employee, that an employee will suddenly come out with something that you didn't know about in the performance management process. So they say, for example, they have a disability that isn't obvious to you or that hasn't been disclosed before. Now, if somebody discloses a disability to you or a potential condition that could be a disability, it's important that you pause the process and really 
get to understand exactly what it is about their disability that's impacting their work. Because of course, under the Equality Act, you have an obligation to make reasonable adjustments. Just because they have a disability doesn't mean that you can't follow the performance management process and if necessary, eventually get to the decision to dismiss them. But what it does mean is that you need to have undertaken a few extra steps in the process to be able to ensure that you've behaved fairly and reasonably to them, taking into consideration their disability and the potential detriment or disadvantage that they might be at because of their disability. It's really important as well to be aware as an employer or manager that even if an employee doesn't expressly disclose to you that they have a medical condition that could be a disability or they don't say they have a disability or it's not completely obvious to you, if it was reasonable for you to have known that they had a disability So if a reasonable person faced with the same circumstances would have reached that conclusion or at least undertaken some further investigation to try to ascertain if it was a disability, then you may very well have additional legal obligations upon you to undertake those investigations or to make adjustments. So what I'm saying here is even if you don't expressly know that someone has a disability, if you think that they have a condition or medical condition or something else that may be affecting their work it's important not to just brush over that or forget about it but you really need to probe them to get more information so that you can ensure that you're behaving reasonably in the whole process and again this goes back to what I was saying earlier in relation to trying to defend an unfair dismissal claim if you can demonstrate that you took all the reasonable steps to try to resolve the issue at the time before it got to the point of dismissal, then it will help you hugely in defending a claim and the employment tribunal will see that you have behaved reasonably. The next common issue that can arise and that can cause things to go wrong is where there is a mismatch between what the employee thinks and what the manager or employer thinks. And this is either where the employee doesn't have any idea that there's a problem with their performance or their views on their performance completely are misaligned to their employer or their managers. And so when you come to have the conversations with the employee, they are so aggrieved by it that they don't engage in the process, they become angry or frustrated or react in a a way that's adverse and doesn't really help the situation. So again, going back to what I was talking about in episode 170 of the podcast which was the first episode in this series about ensuring that there's good communication and understanding between employer and employee or manager and employee so that the employee is fully aware what your views are on their performance and what is required of them and why it doesn't match. If you go into a formal capability process, a performance management process with an employee who has no idea that there's a problem it will not end well in my in my experience. The employee, um, as I say, will become aggrieved. Sometimes they'll raise a grievance and allege that their manager has been bullying them or they'll bring up a lack of support. Um, sometimes they could be as extreme as they resign and try to pursue a claim for constructive unfair dismissal because they're so upset about the fact that they're being questioned in a formal manner about this. So, 
it is really important to keep that in mind and it will help you resolve the issues at a very early stage if you've had those conversations on an informal basis and an ongoing basis as part of your regular management of staff. Another common issue that arises and that we're asked to advise on is where an employer attempts to address some historic performance issues. So basically they've not done anything about the lack of performance or underperformance before and they've got to the point where they're really frustrated and they just at the end of their tether about it and just want to deal with it in a formal way. Well whilst you can of course address current performance issues and in to a degree refer to some historic issues it's not fair and reasonable to bring someone through a performance management or capability process in relation to historic performance issues. So things that weren't dealt with at the time. So if their performance has been bad for the last three years and you're now deciding to do something about it, yes, you can say, well, you haven't met your targets for the last three years, which is why we've got to this point now, but you can't rely on that past historic poor performance to rush through a process with them now and in a way I don't think you're being fair to an employee by not addressing those issues before and sort of saving them all up because again you create a situation where the employee thinks that everything's fine they're performing to the level that you require because no conversation has taken place before so It's really important not to save up your frustration with an employee and try to deal with it all at once, dealing with historic issues. Now, the biggest cause of claims for unfair dismissal in relation to capability dismissals is where an employer skips some steps in the process or rushes through the process. Again, oftentimes it can be because the employer has become frustrated because of a long-standing failure to perform and so they think well I've had enough and they just try to rush it through uh, to get rid of them or in some hope that they might improve as a result or it's because the employer or manager feels uncomfortable about having those conversations and doesn't really want to have difficult discussions with an employee but would rather stick rigidly to the process and rush it through to avoid having to address what is sometimes actually poor management issues from their part. So it's where an employer is, I guess, attempting to follow a fair process, but really um, hasn't, is where the most claims arise. And sometimes you'll see um, employers putting in together completely unrealistic expectations of employees and targets for them to hit within a short period of time within that performance management process. And so it just kind of becomes a a completely useless exercise for all parties because there's no way in which the employee could ever achieve what's being asked of them. That's when you're more likely to find that an unfair dismissal claim will be made and the employee may very well succeed because the employer hasn't reasonably um, undertaken the process to establish if they aren't fit to perform the job. My main real frustration or my pet peeve if you like is an issue that arises in performance management where we're asked to advise and you start delving into things and it turns out that in the last appraisal or the last couple of appraisals, the manager 
has not addressed any of the issues and has actually said to the employee, nope, everything is fine, you're okay, or has even given them a glowing appraisal. It is so frustrating to advise in a situation like this because as far as the employee is concerned, again, the manager has no problem with their performance because in my last appraisal, I was told that I was excellent. So I can't stress the importance again of making sure that managers who deal with appraisal processes know how to have conversations with employees about difficult issues and are addressing and being honest about performance in that process. It's no good saying to an employee in January, for example, at an appraisal how good they are and then come March saying, well, actually, you're not up to target, you're not up to performance you know, we're unhappy with your performance over the last six months, so we're going to put you through a performance management process. It will be misaligned with the employee's expectations and will undoubtedly cause issues, again, in terms of the employee raising a grievance about bullying normally um, and, of course, saying that there's been a lack of support or that the process just isn't genuine. That's another thing that comes up. Employees will say, well, it's not a genuine issue. This is just the manager trying to get me out. Why would they have said two months ago how great I am if they're now saying that I'm not up to performance? So it's really important that appraisals are genuine and honest appraisals of the employee's performance. And then the final thing I wanted to talk about and an issue that can cause frustration for employers, I know, is where an employee improves during the performance process but then subsequently lapses after the process is concluded. So in this kind of scenario, what I've seen happen is the informal discussions have taken place. The employee is just not interested for whatever reason and doesn't take it on board and doesn't improve. So a formal process has started. So the invitation to the meeting and the first warning and then performance goals put in place. Then the employee kind of sits up and takes notice and does something about it meets their requirements, performs to the level that's required and then come the end of the review process the manager says okay you've met everything we needed, you're up to speed, up to the standard we require and so we'll end the process there and then the employee carries on for a little while and then after a while it starts to slip again and then so you're in the cycle all over again and this can become really frustrating for managers and employers I know because you get an employee who just you know, just really isn't interested in maintaining the level of performance that's required. So in that kind of situation, if you do find that it's a repeat cycle with an individual, you can have a longer period of time for the review, or you can keep the warnings in place for a longer period. So sometimes you will find that employees will um, maintain a good level of performance for the length of their written warning. So for six months, and then again, things start to slip. So if you do find that happening um, more than once, you can say, well, we're going to give you a longer period for this warning to be live or a longer review period because we've already been through this with you once before or twice before and you've improved and then it slipped. So we, we need to be sure that you maintain consistency in your performance. So just to recap there, in relation to preventing a potential unfair dismissal claim or defending a potential unfair dismissal claim, the most important thing to do is ensure that you have obtained your evidence 
to back up your genuine belief that the employee is not up to the standard required for the job and then to ensure that you've been through a fair and reasonable process which you can evidence to the tribunal to say that you've given the employee enough opportunities to improve and they still haven't done so hence why it was fair and reasonable to dismiss them. The second thing to note is if somebody raises an issue about a disability or a potential medical condition during the course of a formal process, it's really important to note that you have an obligation under the Equality Act to look at reasonable adjustments and maybe make changes to your performance management process to ensure that the employee is getting the right level of support and or potentially making it slightly longer or giving wider parameters in relation to meeting the requirements of the performance improvement plan. And then finally, we just talked about some of the common issues and things that can go wrong. And they're mostly, as you probably would have gleaned from what I was talking about, to do with where managers or employers have failed to communicate clearly with staff at the outset of an issue and or have just glossed over things or in some ways misled employees to believe that they are performing correctly. I can't stress enough that all of the steps I talked about in in episode one of this mini-series, which was episode 170 of the podcast, on the informal side of things, how important that is to make sure that if you do end up going through a formal process with staff, it's as seamless and easy as possible for you and also to prevent a potential claim for unfair dismissal. Now, as I said, in the next episode of the podcast, I will run through some case examples where employees have pursued a claim for unfair dismissal in relation to the performance management and capability dismissals just to give you a bit of an idea about some of the examples and some of the issues that have arisen and the way in which employment tribunals will look at it. Now of course if you have any questions about the capability or performance management process or how to manage it and you'd like me to answer those in the next episode of the podcast which will be out in two weeks time then do please get in touch I'd love to hear from you and answer your um, specific questions on it. You can email me, it's alison at realemploymentlawadvice.co.uk and please feel free to connect with me via email or you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Just search for Alison Colley or if you search for Real Employment Law Advice, you'll find the firm's page there. Finally, just before I wrap up, I want to say again a big thank you to everyone who has been getting in touch to leave reviews and who sends through um, comments or questions about the podcast. It's always great to hear from you. But of course, just to remind you, as well as doing the podcast, I do run a firm of solicitors where we provide advice and assistance to both employers and employees. So if you have any issues within your own business or organisation, or you know of anyone who's having problems at work who would like some advice, then we do offer an initial free telephone call for advice. And we do provide lots of fixed fees and we do have very competitive rates if you need further advice or representation for example in the employment tribunal. Thanks very much for listening I hope you have a positive and productive two weeks and look forward to speaking to you again in two weeks time. Thanks again for listening. Just want to finalise by saying I wouldn't be a lawyer unless I had a legal disclaimer so I must just say to you 
that the information in this podcast is for information only. It's general review and a general update. It's always necessary to get specific legal advice about your circumstances. So please don't rely on anything that you've heard in this podcast. But please do feel free to contact me if you'd like further information or specific advice.